Hello and welcome on in episode number 55 of the Wisecast Podcast. I'm John Tortorella, I have my co-host Brendan Capizello and Justin Ray. Today, fellas, is a big week in the NFL. The Predator returns, and one step further, we have a lot of big-time news around the NFL. Brandon, Tom Brady rumors New England. What do you think? How are you feeling? So I texted Justin, and it was a perfect response. If you've ever seen Avengers Endgame, when Black Widow goes to Hawkeye to get him, and she says, we might have found a way, and he says, don't, and she says, don't what? Don't give me hope. Yeah, I'm not getting my hopes up. Not at all. How about me? If it did happen, if it did, by the grace of God, you all are in for it. Okay, but the thing is, all right, I, I don't know if this is how we want to start this, but straight up, Brady's going to be what? 46? 47? 46. 46. 46. Yeah. He might just have a year left. So we're going to risk the, – the rumor was not only Tom Brady coming to New England, but it would require a Mac Jones trade. Not necessarily. That's what that's. – I'm just going off of what I sent you guys. But it's, If that were to happen, Mac Jones would likely be traded in that scenario. Mm. You get a year of Tom Brady, mm-hmm. one more run out of Super Bowl, and if you don't get it, who's your future quarterback? Well, that's not – I don't think it's just one year, though. I really don't. Do you want to go to 47 and 48? Yeah, I'm ready. That's a potential risk. Like I'm not seeing can... any draw. Well, NFL, you're bi- this is sports, buddy. You got to take risks. Risk it for the biscuit. But what is the return? Do you think if you get Tom Brady, you're set to win a championship? Because you still do not have a number one wide receiver. You don't. But guess what, John? That's where you're missing everything. How many times have I come on the show and told you about the Patriots offseason and how good we are set up? What have I said religiously? What receiver are you signing? Name We're top five in cap space. But there's no receivers on the market that are going to be. You don't know. We don't know months. how it's going to play out. We don't there's know. There's always going to be one. Trades can happen via trade, and they're going to have to go up a handful of draft picks. That's fine. I mean, not a handful. You don't have to get a handful. A first rounder Listen, for there a are moves. Really? There are moves that can be made. There are moves that can be made. I don't know any off the top of my head because we are still kind of smack dab middle of the season. All right. So a lot of things can change in the off season right now. You are correct, John, you are correct. The off season free agent market. It's not as glamorous as I would hope with how much cap space we, we have, but there are moves that can be made. And I think Jacoby Myers is most likely going to stay. Um, and then, yeah, we just figure out what to do with that number one wide receiver, get get him a number one wide receiver. That could be through the a draft, too. We could draft a wide receiver in the first round for him. I'm ready to go all in with Tom. Like I said, with Denver with the Denver Broncos and Peyton Manning, I'm ready to go three or four great years of Tom Brady. Justin, me and you are still not sold on Mac Jones yet. We see things that are good. We also see things that are bad. And we both see that he has regressed this year. Now we both agree that it's not entirely his fault. It's mostly Matt Patricia and Joe Judge's fault. But he hasn't taken the necessary steps that we would have liked to have seen. So, and, and yes, while the report said Mac can be traded and there could be viable options where there's a chance we could get a first-round pick for Mac Jones. 
Okay. Cause there's a sucker born every day, John. There's a sucker born every day. All right. Like you, like you, Denver Broncos ring a bell. They seem like a sucker now, don't they? Um, so Carolina would bite at that apple too. That's I what I'm saying. So uh, there's a lot of teams out there that would bite on that apple, like, as Justin would say. But the, re- the report also said that Mac doesn't necessarily have to be traded because he's on a rookie deal. And we know about Brady and his contracts. He's not going to demand $50 million. It's going to be a very cap-friendly um, hit. So I'm down with it. I'm not against it at all. I am one that has believed since what? what? Tom Brady was 35. I was saying, I believe this guy when he says I'm playing till 45. And I was proven right because it's been 10 years later. And where are we still at? We all, you all still believe he's a top five quarterback in this league. I believe he's still the best quarterback in this league. So <laughs> mm-hmm. I think he's, I think he's going to be just fine. I, with, if you look at every other quarterback, right, that fell off the cliff, as people would say, you look at like uh, a Peyton Manning, right? Uh, Brett Favre, Drew Brees, right? All those guys, what do they all have in common? They were all dealing with major injuries towards the end of their season. I mean, end of their career. How many major injuries has Tom Brady had in his career? One. It was 2008. But he's played through all of them. Well, he no, he just hasn't had a ma- – I'm talking major – he's had minor injuries. Yes, he had a, a sprain. Broken fingers. He had a sprain MCL, the gash in his uh, hand. Yes, he's had minor injuries. But major – Tom doesn't take major hits. He doesn't get injured. So I'm I'm all in with it. If it means that we are going to be Super Bowl contenders again, let's go. As Tom oh, Brady would say. So there might be a receiver that I think would be on the market in that scenario. Anybody want to take a guess? Because John thinks he's there's no AFC, AFC or NFC? He's in the NFC. Brendan Ayuk. No. Bigger name. DK? DeAndre Hopkins. That's the name that popped into my head when I was telling you about a receiver that could go open. I don't see it. Really? How do you, how do you not see it? With all the stuff coming out about Kyler Murray and all this, uh, the way the Cardinals have played this year, you don't okay. think uh, he'll be a disgruntled wide receiver maybe looking for an, maybe looking for another destination? He may, but I feel like it's a matter of toughness with the Cardinals that they lack. And so if you find the head coach that sets the tone, the players will fit in line. If. I also yeah. like it, though. I mean, like, because if you do trade Mac, and let's say you get a first-round pick, now you have two first-rounders to work with. And probably, like, you know, other picks that you can work with. But that's all, you know, in the future. We have no oh. idea what you're talking about right now. Right now, Mac Jones is our starting quarterback in New England, and Tom Brady is in Tampa Bay. Yeah, it'd be a nice dream. When we get to the season, we well, can DC, this much, much more. Tom Brady may have not suffered a severe injury, but he may take some vicious shots with Christian Wirfs, his right tackle, <sighs> suffering a pretty severe ankle sprain. So that's going to be pretty – like, you have a bunch of divisional games coming up. A lot of these teams want to play spoiler. And then not only that, the Saints, they still have a chance to win this division. And to me, they've been terrible the last month. And so I think for the Buccaneers, Tom Brady could take more hits than – what we've seen so far this year. And another thing too, you know, for somebody that's not big on Jimmy Garoppolo, Justin, the thing here is just like Tom Brady, Jimmy Garoppolo is not highly compensated. And so that sets up teams to succeed and win with those guys because they're an asset due to that contract or the 
lack thereof money they're being paid. So I think just like Jimmy Garoppolo, Tom Brady helps his teams in that avenue as well in terms of building the roster. What do you think, Rand? No, I mean, you're not telling the whole story. Um, it's also because he's injury prone. So there's probably incentives in his contract. Actually, I know there are incentives in his contract. Um, and also he's not Tom frickin' Brady. He's a middle pack quarterback. So of course he's going to, you know, want to do, he should want to do everything he can to help his team out. That's why it's so admirable of Tom Brady. Cause we've never seen a player in any sport of his echelons. If you want to say, do what he's done consistently year in and year out with taking less money. So perfect scenario. Tom Brady returns to new England. Mm -hmm. DeAndre Hopkins gets traded to New England. Mm -hmm. Rob Gronkowski comes back. No, no, that one's not happening. As I just said, in a perfect world. Yeah, but that's not realistically perfect. Tom Brady wins the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. Bill Belichick goes on into the sunset with Tom Brady at the same time. That's a nice dream to have. I'd say that would be, if, if that were to happen, if Tom Brady were to return back to New England, they will retire together. I think that's how it ends. Who knows? I, I, I know. I, I, I think that's a perfect story, right, Justin? I just don't think both guys think that way. I think they always think about what's next. I really do. I think both guys are still doing what they do at a high level, and I think they're going to do it till the wheels fall off. I'm a sucker for romance, so I guess, I guess that's what I want. I think if any receiver is getting moved, it would be Brandon Ayuk. That's the one name to me. With San Francisco's galore weapons, he's going to have to be up for a contract soon. And with his productivity in that limited role, I think for the Patriots, that would be the guy. Team up him and Kendrick Bourne. There's a couple receivers. I could see Michael Thomas being out the door in, in New Orleans, even though he's, he's not what he was. Um, an injury prone. Yeah. Inexpensive. But he is a name to keep an eye out. I still do believe that D-Hop will be on the market. I could see Ayuk as well, but Ayuk is having – isn't this a career year for him? He's he's balling this season, if I'm not mistaken. So I don't have the number. Darren Waller, Darren Waller will be on the market. So there's two names on the market. There's names out there on the market. Well, Waller's been on the trade block for a little bit. Yeah. So Ayuk, Justin, he doesn't have a career year yet, but six touchdowns and a career high for him and 59 yards per game. Well, I mean, I believe me, I would love to have him on the team. Um, also DJ Moore as well. He's another possible receiver on the move. So right, let's, stop talking about, let's stop talking about, you know, things that may or may not happen, but could very well happen. But, you know, great reference. So moving on to the first topic of the show, guys, it's, it's pretty crazy to me. that The top two seeds in the NFL right now, or in the AFC, most off there are the Kansas City Chiefs and the Miami Dolphins. The two teams made one of the biggest moves of the offseason. And I felt like at the time, most of us want to say one team, one deal. It felt like the Chiefs were giving up a talent too important in Tyreek, and the Dolphins are giving up way too much capital for a player that wasn't going to be playing alongside a upper echelon quarterback, what we had thought at least a while ago, because Tua's proven himself just as an upper echelon quarterback. Right, Bren? Right. So here's my question for you guys. Every single season in the NFL, there's those one or two teams that are good, but we don't view them as true top-end contenders. This season, what are the two teams in each conference that need the number one seed more than anybody else? Among realistic contenders. 
You want to go first, Justin? Or? Yeah, I'll start. I have one, like, and I've said it before. The first team for me that comes to mind is Miami. Uh, hot weather team. They have a severe home home field advantage when, whenever you go into Miami and it's blazing hot. A lot of teams can't handle it. We've seen Tom Brady lose countless times in Miami. We've seen teams blunder when they go into that in that, in that building. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to say Miami. They're, you don't want to go into Kansas City in January playing in 20 degrees. You, we haven't seen Tua play in that climate. I don't know if we've seen that in college, but I doubt that. But in the NFL, at least, we haven't seen that. The closest we've seen, I think he played a game in Buffalo in December, and they lost. So I think uh, Miami needs it more than anybody. So the way they're positioned now, yeah, they'll potentially have a home playoff game if the season ended today. But that's not how it works. They still got to run into Buffalo one more time. They absolutely need this. They need to, if I'm not, maybe I'm jumping the gun here, but I think they need to win out. I think I agree. Um, staying on the AFC track for right now, I think Miami is the team that needs the number one seed more than any team in the AFC. And I think you hit the nail on the head, Justin. It's because we all agree that there are questions about Tua late in the season in cold weather situations. Uh, so that, that you, they need, like, literally they need this number one seed. They can't be going to a Kansas City, a Buffalo, a Tennessee, Cincinnati in January, playoff game, atmosphere, cold weather. I'm not trying to take my chances with Tua Tungavailoa there. And uh, yeah, Justin's right about, to and not we haven't really been see, seen him in those type of situations and it's i'm pretty sure he got pulled in situations that we would have seen what he was like uh last year i'm pretty sure flores pulled him um in his rookie season flores pulled him that last year okay okay so two years ago okay yeah but yeah they put they pulled him from those things um i think one of those games was the uh, buffalo game but yeah, I think I agree. I think Miami needs this number one team more than any other team. Man, sure the Dolphins can use this, but I think the team that could use the number one seed more than anybody in the NFL is the Tennessee Titans. And I'm gonna be honest with you, Jay Ray and B Cap, who's just disappeared because he doesn't want to hear it. The Titans are the exact model of the Baltimore Ravens, and yet we say every single year the Ravens are a dark horse and write off the Titans. They win the same exact way. Great defense running the football very well, and making timely plays. They're well-coached. Mike Rabel's a better coach than John Harbaugh. And when he's doing things his way with the group that he trusts, the Titans are always the biggest dark horse. And while I'm not going to call them sleeping giant by any stretch, this is a team that, in the coldest months, you don't want to play. Kind of less at Cincinnati, who last week shut down Derrick Henry. It is tough to stop Derrick. With all of these weapons they're developing, Traylon Burks has had an element of explosive plays. And if he can continue to play at this level the way he has coming off of injury, although Chikokwaku and Austin Hooper, the Titans have many different weapons they can go to. And defensively, they're going to continue stopping the run. And that secondary, it's always the next minute mentality. So the Titans, I think, are the team in the AFC that can use the number one seed more than anybody else. Well, they're not going to get it. But also, I feel like their playing style doesn't change at all. I don't think they need it. I think they can go into any house and play their style of game. That's why I said Miami needs it the most because. There's no other team lined up in the AFC playoff picture right now that plays in a climate like Miami. So that's I think that's the biggest difference. Tennessee is battle-tested in the cold. They can go into 
Baltimore and win a game. And we've seen them take Kansas City to the brink. They can win a game in Kansas City. Do I think it'll happen? No, but they can play in that weather. So I can't see them being the uh, needing the number one seed. Well, it's a matter of rest for the Titans because Ben Jones, Jeffrey mm. Simmons, this team plays so physical. I think they could use that week off the way they did last year. And surely they got it last year and it didn't matter in the second round. Mm. But I think this year we can see a kind of new element of them. Because remember, Derrick Henry had just returned from his foot injury for that Cincinnati game. So, so long as he's Henry, so long as Henry's healthy and he's doing his thing and they don't match up against DJ Reader, I feel like Tennessee can easily win a round two matchup. And you, you said before, the Titans can't get the number one seed. I'm looking at their schedule, Justin. They easily can. This upcoming week, they got Jacksonville at home. Then they got the Chargers. After that, they got the Texans. They're going to be certainly fighting for Bryce Young if they haven't already got him. Then they have the, the Cowboys week 17 and the Jaguars week 18. The only real matchups there are Dallas week 17 and the Chargers week 15. You forgot Philadelphia. This week. I did. I completely skipped over Philadelphia. That's a big one. Yeah, and also they have to they theirs is predicated on Kansas City losing games. Like the Kansas City, I mean, to tie them, they'd Kansas City would have to lose two games to finish this to end the season. And I don't even know who gets who wins the tiebreaker in that situation. So to guarantee their spot, they have to hope Kansas City loses three games. Uh they have to hope Miami and Buffalo lose a couple games and they have to win out. So yeah, I think Tennessee's path to the number one seed is not likely at all uh but yeah i agree with justin i don't think tennessee needs the number one seed i mean we saw them have the number one seed and what they do with it uh and i also think that they have a a type of football uh game plan that travels which is play defense and run the football uh play action um with uh, ryan Tannehill. so yeah i don't think that they need they, they need the number one seed i do think it's miami that needs it and you're right, the, the Chiefs, they're a clear path to the number one seed. Their upcoming schedule is relatively easy. This week, they have the Bengals on the road. That's a tough matchup. And also, uh, AFC Championship game rematch. Then they have the Broncos on the road, the Texans, and the Seahawks before finishing off the season against the Broncos and the Raiders. So I think they probably lose one of those last six games, and they finish this year with 14 wins. So yes, they're going to get the number one seed. But if the Titans can get rolling here, I think with Traylon Burks being reintegrated, you could see that dynamic of explosive plays. That last year was, you know, in and out of the lineup because AJ Brown missed some time. And this Tennessee team to me is, um, they're, they're dangerously looming, guys. I don't think we could overlook them. So, John, who would you, for the NFC, who needs the number one seed? So, let's do this for the NFC. What team in the NFC needs the number one seed more than anybody? To me, it's pretty darn clear the Dallas Cowboys. The pathway for the Cowboys getting there is, you know, to me, actually a lot more likely than what the standings would indicate right now. So for the Cowboys, then the season, their schedule, it's, you know, it's not too tough. They have the Colts this upcoming week, and the Texans, the Jaguars, the Eagles. That game right there, week 16, is going to decide everything before they play the Titans week 17 and the Commanders week 18. They had the tiebreaker or the Eagles at 8 p.m. that second time. And I feel like for them, if they can get that week off, they're well-rested. They have home field advantage. It's ultimately them just winning two playoff games to get into the Super Bowl. And I like this Dallas team a lot more, even if they take that week off and they maybe lose some momentum if they only have to win two opposed to three. 
I'm with you on Dallas. I was thinking about it, looking at the NFC, but I'm going to go in a different direction. I think the team in the NFC that needs it the most is Minnesota. I think Minnesota's playing great football this year. Obviously, they're they're nine and two, but we've had our concerns about primetime primetime Kirk. I think you got to get your quarterback and put him in the most comfortable scenario ever. So bring him home. There's an insane home field advantage there with the the crowd doing the skull chants. I was watching that game on Thanksgiving, hearing how loud that crowd got. It's intimidating. You don't want you don't want to go into that house. It's it's the fourth quarter. Uh, you're driving down the field, losing the game, and you got to hear that. That's that's some that's some real stuff. That's a home field advantage right there, like similar to what the twelfth man is in Seattle. I think uh, Minnesota really needs it bad because I think they're a Super Bowl contender. You surprised me there. I thought you were going in a much different direction. Where? B cap's gonna go there right now. I'm sure. No, so oh, I'm going. I'm go. I'm going with Dallas as well. Um, I'm not gonna go Philly, and uh, I'm not gonna go Philly because they're. This is surprise. I didn't even. I didn't know this. They're five and zero. Um, uh, in away games, so they're they're showing right now that they can go win on the road. Uh, but for Dallas, yeah, I do agree. I think being in Jerry World, uh, for the playoffs is uh massive for them. Uh, even though the Cowboys fans they travel, probably better than any other fan base in the NFL. Like they are everywhere. <laughs> you can't walk a street in the in the US of A and not pass by a Cowboys fan. They're not the real America's team. Don't get it twisted. Brent. Oh no, they're not. That's the New England Patriots. That's the it. Pittsburgh Steelers. No, it's not. Yeah, it's no, the Steelers. No, yeah, it's no, the Steelers. No, it's not no, even close. No. We are the team that is most well traveled. And it honestly is not even a debate in my opinion. But we've dominated you for the past twenty years. Because so one player that... one player's gone now and all of a sudden you guys are uh, a mediocre team with a boring okay. offense. All right. Yeah. Sure, 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 sure. Um, but yeah, I agree. It's Dallas. I think Dallas needs the number one seed more than anybody in the NFC. I'm shocked. You guys did not go yeah. with San Francisco right there. I, I feel like they can play on the road. They've done it before. But they're a team that needs to stay healthy, and that week off while having home field would be most beneficial to them. I think the team that will need that the most would be the Cowboys. But in terms of the benefits that come with, the 49ers' pathway to the Super Bowl may rest on getting that number one spot. You know, honestly, I just think that that team is so good. When they're clicking on all cylinders, no matter where they are, home or away, I feel like they can win. Uh, they've done it in Green Bay. They've done it on the road before. I have no doubt in that team. Shanahan, Garoppolo, I'll take them in the cold. I'll take them in the hot. They'll be fine. And ultimately, they won't be getting it because the Eagles are three games ahead. Yeah. And surely, they won't be dropping you know, four of the next six games. And um, like I said before, this really is a, a three-team race here because the Seahawks and the NFC West are 6-5 and five now and no team from the NFC South. I don't think they're going to cover the five-game split between them and the NFC East, but who knows? Maybe the Saints win out um, and the Eagles lose out. Realistically, it's really just the Eagles, Vikings, and Cowboys. And the Cowboys currently are two games behind the Eagles, so they'll need some help as well. Yeah. I think this week, this slate of games, is by far one of the best we've had this season. We have... The student teacher, the student, the student coach matchup of Mike McDaniel versus Kyle Shanahan, and this week in his press conference, Mike McDaniel is demonst not demonstrating, but speaking to the media about how uh, Nick Bosa likes to do his pass rush moves on hand sanitizer bottles if he can, whenever he gets the chance to. And I think that to me 
is the game to look out for this week. It's going to be the most exciting. And between these two teams, it's a good test to see what Tua can do against a high-level defense because the Dolphins have not built beat a real playoff team since the start of the season. And now keep in mind, Tua yet has yet to lose a game while finishing it as a starter. So I feel like for him, this is the litmus test before the postseason where he can show us, and more so this offense can show us, what it can do against D'Amico Ryan's defense. Now for San Francisco's front, this do- the Dolphins' defense, it's thin in the secondary. They've added in Bradley Chubb, and defensively they have guys on the edge, and also Xavier Howard this year, disappointed, but more so Javon Holland. There's playmakers in that Dolphins' front, but I'm kind of curious to see how these two teams stack up, given the coaches, and more so the questions at quarterback. We viewed these teams under the same light, where there's a ton of playmaking, a lot of star talent, and a good deal of continuity with great coaching. And for me this week, it's a tough matchup, but what's your guys' uh, biggest takeaway this week? Uh, this is a potential Super Bowl matchup. Sorry, excuse me. <clears throat> but yeah, potential Super Bowl matchup. Like you said, this is putting Tua on a big test going up against San Francisco, who I think is the best team in the NFC. Mike McDaniel knows the San Francisco 49ers best out of any team that's in the NFC or AFC. So I think it should be a tough matchup. I think Tua has his hands full with this defense. San Francisco's getting healthy. San Francisco's playing their best football over the last couple of weeks. Uh, ultimately, I don't know if you guys want to do pick whoever's going to win this game yet, but I'm going to roll with San Francisco, like I've said before. I think it's in San Francisco. This is a tough battle for Tua. I think Miami's rolling. They got to get punched in the mouth first just to see what they have to fix up. So I think uh, I'm going to lean San Francisco with this one, but it should be a duel. Mm-hmm. Um, no, it's a very important matchup, the uh, 49ers and Dolphins. Uh, I think it's going to be a, a real good test to see where these Dolphins are really at. It's not the truest test. I think that test will come when they face um, – uh, who do they face in a row? They still the have Bills. to go to Buff. They still have to go to Buffalo and New England. Uh, those are two matchups that I do believe. It's more because of the the conditions they're going to have to uh, play in, and I really want to see that. And uh, both defenses, uh, uh, Bills and Patriots defenses, are good. The Patriots have been pretty much. I'm, I'm, they're more healthier. I, I think they're a better defense of the Bills. I think the Bills defense can be had, uh, and I think they're a little bit more fraudulent than a lot of people think. But fraudulent. Yes, it's been up by injuries everywhere you look this year. No kidding, they've done a great job working through those injuries. Um, yeah. What do you mean? Yeah. yeah? Uh, So what? They haven't gotten Tre'Davious White back until Thanksgiving. Von Miller just went out the game he returned. Those are the two best defensive players. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean that's the reason why it's not fraudulent defense. It's a matter of things not going their way. By the way, guys, San Francisco is favored minus three and a half. Yeah, the but well, they're minus four actually. Um, uh, well, that's that's what, it says. that's what it says on ESPN. But listen, John, I'm I'm saying they're fraudulent because I'm going off of also like it's just I've seen this Buffalo Bills defense get exposed. I, I guess saw it last year. Saw it last year. Good still. Yes, the Kansas City game mostly, but throughout the season they've got they got taken advantage. Uh multiple times last year in the regular season. This year. Okay, again, but he's still out. Like, that's what I'm saying. So you're still being taken advantage of. You're making my point. 
it's just because these players are injured that you're saying, oh, well, they can be better. Okay, but they're not going to be because these players are injured. That's my exact point. Micah Hyde out for the season. Jordan Poyer can miss any game. He's been in and out of the lineup. Trey White just came back from an ACL injury. He ain't going to be the same. Von Miller, torn lateral meniscus. Do we think he's going to be really the same? I saw a stat. Um, I think Buffalo Bills players in terms of uh, pressures of the QB. Von Miller, 38. The next highest, I believe, is 12. And doesn't it say something that in spite of all of these injuries, the Bills this year have a top five unit on that end? Second in points allowed. And beyond that, 12th in sacks. Second in interceptions. Second in turnovers. Top five in scoring. Their defense this year has done a great job playing a relatively high level in spite of these injuries. And last year, yeah, in Kansas City, that was a rough game for them because the Chiefs offense, you know, it's going to do Chief-like. Or maybe it wasn't Buffalo. I'm forgetting off the top of my head. This year, it's the best offense in the NFL through losing Tyreek Hill. So for this Buffalo team, look, I'm going to say that defense is strong. And I can only imagine how good they would be if it were fully healthy. And in the recent last couple of games, the Lions now are becoming a real quality team. I'm not going to say the Lions are going to make the playoffs this year because they're not going to. But the Lions are a real opponent. And so, yeah, they're putting up points against that Bills defense. But that team can't score a point. So I feel like Jared Goff is really the only thing holding them back. So say about that Buffalo rent right there. I think they're a lot real, not more real on the defensive end than you would like to give them credit for. So question, mm-hmm. who needs this game more, San Francisco or Miami? Miami, easily. Could we know what the Niners are? Big cap. That's a freaking tough one because the Niners are kind of right there. I mean, they're fighting to win their own division too. They Remember, they have, they have Tom Brady next week. Yeah, they can't afford to lose these games, but Miami can't either. Like this is liter- <laughs> this is literally a must win for both games, both teams. I believe this is like a must win. I-, I can't pick. I don't know which one it's more important for because I think both are trying to still win their division, and there are other teams that are biting at the uh uh um, what's the saying um, or nipping at the heels. Sorry, um, and in in the case of uh, Miami, Buffalo is literally right there. And you've got to play them um, one more time coming up. So, yeah, it's a must win for both of them. I can't pick which one is more important for. I, I can't. And for Miami, oh. this is the start of a three-game road trip here going to San Francisco. So that only adds more to this upcoming slate because they have a lot of tough games, even the Packers, right? We've slandered the Packers a lot. I feel like with Aaron Rodgers playing, they're a really good team because they're starting to figure things out. It's just a matter of Green Bay. It's a daily and dollar short. You know, it took Christian Watson until week 10 to really get going, week 9. And at that point, you're already so down the hole and with the defensive issues. The Packers in this stage of the season can beat you with Aaron Rodgers. It's just a matter of they're not going to make the playoffs because of how, dug, how deep of a hole they've dug themselves into. So this Dolphins schedule, it gets tougher and tougher from this point out. Yeah, now I think it's a must win for Miami more than it is for the 49ers because San Francisco still has another game against Seattle. Now, Seattle seems to be the only threat for the division title. I think San Francisco's job is just win the division, get over it. And I think with the schedule that they have towards the last three games of the season, Commanders, Raiders, Cardinals, they can do that in that final stretch, if, especially if they beat Seattle and they own the tiebreaker. So, yeah, I'm going to say this is a must win for Miami. We already said mm. that they didn't, they need the number one seed. Mm. By doing that, by beating San Francisco, you're well on your way to doing that. So you can't do that if you lose this game. Who does Buffalo have this week? New England. New England. Yeah, tonight. So, New England. How did I forget the Thursday night matchup? What happened? How did I forget the Thursday night matchup? I forgot it. <laughs> so no. that's a big one for Miami needs to win this game because even though Buffalo is favored by 
I think three and a half in this one. They absolutely need to make up as much ground as possible on Buffalo. So there's 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 a lot of lot of big games this week. I can't wait till we get to pick them. Absolutely. And one more thing with the Niners before we jump to the next part of this. They don't need to win a division to go on a run. Last year they were the sixth seed and they were one interception away, one drop pick from going to the Super Bowl. And I feel like there's a team this year that can replicate that success if the ball balances their way. Now I think one of the most interesting returns this week, guys, is the Predator coming back to play the Houston Texans on the road. Deshaun Watson has not played in almost two years. Last time we saw him, he was a top five quarterback in the NFL. But as we all know, it takes time to shake off the rust, obviously. And for this Browns team this year, Brand said in another episode, Jacoby Brissett this year has played relatively well. He hasn't been a true backup. It's been a matter of this Browns defense really holding the back. Instead of having the supposed best pass rusher in the NFL and many other stars around him. So I want to ask you guys, for these Cleveland Browns, their heavy favorites this week against the Texans, and obviously, when you look at the stands right now, they're four and seven, right? They've had a lot of games that didn't go their way. They were close. They could have, they could have easily been six and five or seven and four right now if they win a couple of those close games and finish it out strong. Is there any chance here the Browns can rip off a bunch of wins, get going the right now against the Texans, build some momentum, and with nine or ten wins, sneak into the last wild card spot? Absolutely. I remember in the beginning of the season, I said if. Cleveland is in a good spot by the time Deshaun Watson gets back. They can get rolling. And like you said, rust is a real thing. So we don't know exactly what Deshaun Watson is going to look like. But I'm going based off of what I remember seeing of him. If he's anything close to that, Cleveland can make a push at this thing. I think Amari Cooper's having a, a, a way better season than I initially expected him to have when he was playing for Cleveland. Uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones stepping up. David Njoku, a big catch against the Buccaneers there. They have some weapons. They got an insane running back group of Hunt and, and Chubb. Chubb's having a, a big-time year. Yeah, I think this Cleveland Browns team is now really equipped to bringing a superstar quarterback and get them rolling. I mean, they got the Texans this week. We're, we're all anticipating that to be a win, but you never know. Texans, the Texans will be playing with the fire right under their ass. The Bengals the next week, you're going to have some divisional games. Bengals, Ravens, and then you close the season with the Steelers. There's some winnable games there. Nobody scares you. Now that you got Watson in the fold, I think you're a lot more confident, way more confident with him under center. We just It's just left to be seen. We'll find out this Sunday which version of Deshaun Watson are we going to see. Yeah, I think that's the kind of like main question here. Um, not and for that reason alone, I'm not gonna. I'm gonna say they're not gonna be able to sneak into the playoffs this year. I just think that the rust is gonna be there. Um, again, he's got a. It's not even just about him being rusty throwing the football. It's about being in live game action, making these quick you know, instant second decisions, chemistry, timing, anticipation, pocket presence, all this stuff, time management, clock management, all the, all this stuff it goes into. And I just think he's going to have to, it's going to take him some time. Not to say that he's not, a, I still believe when he gets going, he's going to be a top five quarterback again. I think he's a great quarterback in this league, but it's going to take some time. And I think I'm willing to give him the time I'm not going to jump on him if he starts struggling. I don't think anybody should. 
Uh, and I think the Cleveland Browns are perfectly fine if he goes out there and struggles because I think they're going to be like, all right, it's okay. Let him shake the rust off. We're more, we're, if I'm the Cleveland Browns internally, I'm thinking we are more of a next year championship contender. I think a lot of people, I think, I, I believe myself, I hope their offseason is great, but they make a couple moves here and there. They're right there. They're right there with, uh, with you know, Buffalo, as you guys love, Kansas City, Cincinnati. They're right there with all those teams. And I agree with you. This is a quarterback-friendly offense. We've seen that, of course, of Baker Mayfield and now Jacoby Brissett. This year, the Browns rank 11th in scoring. Their defense has been what's killed them, 30th in the league. So Deshaun's going to come in, and this Browns schedule, like you touched on, Justin, while I view this team as a next-year squad, right, the same way I view the Cleveland Cavaliers, their schedule is pretty, like, you had the Steelers, and that's that's a toss-up. And you had the Bengals after this week, the Ravens, the Saints, the Commanders. The Commanders are a team you can't sleep on. I think all these games for Cleveland are winnable. And if you can kind of get the motor going defensively, where there's some life on that side of the ball, they're getting stops, and Deshaun can be better than what Brissett's been, this is one of the most high-powered offenses. You know, Kareem Hunt this year has had a disappointing season, only 500 yards, but Nick Chubb's a top-three back. And Amari Cooper this year has been excellent. Donovan Peoples-Jones is probably only going to get better with a better thrower of the football. And now the question, of course, is how is Deshaun going to look in terms of the anticipation, the ability to read defenses and react in a timely manner? We won't know. And this right here is ultimately the, the one game of the week where the Browns, seven-point favorite, I wouldn't touch this game because there's no reason what the quarterback's going to be. But at the same time, he's playing Kyle Allen. So you would like to think for the Browns, this is an easy get-right game for this defense hopefully because the Texans offense is an absolute train wreck and one step further before they go on a pretty tough stretch against the Bengals on the road and the Ravens with the Saints and the Commanders they can get a little bit more juice going and uh in spite of me not wanting to pick them covering the spread I do think they, they win this game they found a way to win no I think they find a way to win but one thing that I, I'm very curious to see we have not seen Deshaun Watson play with a running back group like this yeah, he's never played with a guy anywhere close to what Nick Chubb is. So him throwing the football like a madman, I don't think we're going to see that. The last time we saw Watson, he was leading the league in passing yards. He doesn't need to pass that much anymore. I mean, you're going to have to at some points, but I think I, I'm, I don't know about you guys, but I'm kind of excited to see this guy back on the field because he was electrifying when he was healthy and he was playing football just two years ago. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember his stats. So led the league in passing yards of 40, 4,823, 33 touchdowns and seven picks. The dude was on. So Cleveland is getting themselves a real superstar. If he is anything close to that, he's still a young guy. I think he's only 27. Mm -hmm. Sky's still the limit. So, uh, yeah, I'm riding high with Cleveland. I think, you know what, I would even say, yeah, I think they'd cover the spread. And, Justin, that was after Bill O'Brien's masterclass move of training DeAndre Hopkins for a running back. No for paid running back that's injury prone and a second round pick, which is maybe the worst trade I've ever seen who, in my who is, uh, who is all in favor for that. Um, who is Deshaun Watson's running back in Clemson? Does anybody remember? Did he have a good one or a great one? I'm going to look it up in a moment. But in, in Houston, of course, his running back in those four years, David Johnson in 2020, 2019, it was Carlos Hyde, who had 1,000 yards and was actually pretty good with Duke Johnson. What's up? He was sneaky good, Carlos Hyde, that year. He was. He was underrated. And before that, it was Lamar Miller, who was also pretty good as well. Him and Alfred Blue. So those guys were solid. Nick Chubb is a game-changing force. He's a wrecking ball, not one you want to hit in December. 
Uh, with all that being said, who do you guys have this week? I think Justin might have said it before. You want to do pick them right now with this game? or uh, We can start picking. We do have one more topic to go, which is my top five rankings. Up to you guys. Let's so do pick them for after the top five. Do your top five. Top five right, right now? Let's go top five right now, and then we'll go. get into the games. You sure? Okay. So you want yeah. me to go five to one or one to five? Five to one. Five to one. Five to one. Oh, boy. Now you're putting the pressure on me because, for me, the top – I have more of a top six, but that's okay because, you know, for me, I know exactly what my top three is. So starting off at number five, fellas. Can I get a drum roll? <laughs> the San Francisco 49ers. I view them a little bit better than Dallas in a little bit of a more favorable light because I trust their head coach and this defense – is on the same level as Dallas with, man, I, there's just something about Nick Bosa, this linebacker core, and their secondary, where I trust it all together. We've seen it win at the highest levels in the postseason, whereas with Dallas, we haven't yet, and there's still that question there. And currently in the regular season, these 49ers, in spite of their injuries at running back, what's up? You gave me this funny look. They were able to win last week against a, a New Orleans defense after shutting out zero points for Andy Dalton and co., I feel like with this 49ers group, you can't have them outside of your top five. Yeah, no, no, I mean, I'm interested. I want you to go through your list. I'm just interested to see where this is going. Keep going. At number four, I have the Buffalo Bills. They've taken a step back in recent weeks, and Josh Allen hasn't played his best football. There's some questions with the defense, but ultimately, I'm putting my faith in that guy, Josh Allen, to just continue playing at a high level. He's a top three quarterback in the NFL, though he hasn't been over the last month. And I feel like with this Bills offense... It's too explosive, too dynamic. So long as 17 is on the field, they're going to be a top five team. Number three for me. I've got the Philadelphia Eagles. I feel like with this Eagles team, they stepped up big time against the Packers offensively. Whereas in the last two weeks, Jalen Hurts did not have his best performances. And the defense is really for me the question here because 33 points against that Packers offense I felt like in the secondary they didn't have their best performance and there still are some questions with Jordan Davis being on IR where I want to see them in the postseason that's why I have Dallas a little bit lower and so for them I had them below the Miami Dolphins well I've got number two my new pick for coach of the year is easily far and away Mike McDaniel I think Andy Reid's another guy who deserves it I'm about to talk about him in a second and with this Dolphins offense you got the leaf players going crazy in the background if you guys can hear that this offense is too explosive. I feel like with the defense stepping up, they're going to play better in the postseason. And at number one for me, I've got the Kansas City Chiefs. Okay, so, yeah, that's why I gave you the weird face. So you're telling me the Dallas Cowboys are not a top five team? I have them at number seven after the Cincinnati Bengals. What? What? Why? Don't trust Dak. Don't trust McCarthy. Offensively, when things get going, it gets going. And last week against the Giants, they showed up big time after Dak had some turnovers. But I just don't trust the coaching and the quarterback. And ultimately, Brian, you know better than anybody, those are the two most important things in the sports. Yeah, but here's like, you, you don't trust Dak. You don't trust McCarthy, that's fine. Okay, that's fine. I give you that. But you don't trust Dak. But you trust Jimmy. And you trust Tua. 
I trust Shanahan. Just I trust Joe Burrow. I trust the Bengals' defense. I trust all of those things before I trust that Cowboys quarterback. You don't trust the Cowboys' defense? I trust the Cowboys' defense. It's elite, yeah. But even with Dak, you won't admit it, but he's been injured in the last couple of years, too. We don't know oh, if he's, he's going to get the right now. Run. Right now, he is currently Right healthy. now, he is currently playing. These power rankings, I said to myself, Dak, it's barely a top-10 quarterback that I feel like in the postseason, we haven't seen him win the big game. I don't trust him above Joe Burrow, and I surely don't trust him against the Dolphins or the 49ers. Those are better football teams that are better coached with quarterbacks who have weaknesses that are better masked. I only have one gripe with your top five, and that's the 49ers being five. That's really it. There you go. Where do you Listen, have I, I, I'd put Buffalo five now. They've dropped on my top five. They're, they're, cl- they're slowly falling out. If, if Cincinnati gets rolling, Cincinnati could easily pop into that top five. But I'd give San Francisco the edge over Buffalo. Healthy, complete. With the running back injuries, Elijah Mitchell on IR now with a knee injury, and Christian McCaffrey banged up as well, I'm not going to put him that high, just because there are those injury concerns. Even with that, I I feel like San Francisco has shown you the running back position is so interchangeable for them. Does it really, is it really that big of a difference for them? Being that's what their offense is built off of, and they've invested a lot of capital. It's like They've invested a second-round pick, a third-round pick, and a fourth mm-hmm. in McCaffrey, and a fifth or a sixth, a day-three pick in the Mitchell. So there's a lot invested into that running back room being well above competent. And if it's just average, I feel it does limit the cap and limits the explosive plays, given in December and in January, as we're about to see. Today's December 1st, fellas. Think about how crazy that is. This is where you have the most concerns with Jimmy. And with Dallas, I love that running game. So that's kind of what puts them closer. I think it's very closely grouped between five and seven. So wait, Miami's your number two team. Yep. Number three is Philly. I thought that would be your guys' gripe. I gave you a long pause because I really wanted to highlight it. No, it, my gripe is the Miami one. Okay. So do you trust Mike McDaniel more or Sean McDermott more? Easily Mike McDermott. It's not even close. Mike I trust McDaniel. him way more in the crunch time of games too. Okay. Um, even though we haven't seen him in the playoff situations. Okay. Has anyone figured out um, this offense yet? Uh, well, we haven't seen them play everybody in every style of football. Um, but here, do you trust Josh Allen or Tua Tonga Valoa more? Respective to the positions they're in, the situations and systems, considering the environment they're in, yes or no? Who do you trust more right now? Tua Tungavailoa. Given the situations they're in, I trust Tua more currently. Josh Allen has too big of a role in Buffalo, where if you take Josh Allen out of Buffalo, what is that offense? I feel like with Tua, there's not much on his plate, where there's so much dynamicism, creativity, and open space in that offense. I trust him more because Josh Allen has way too much to do. And every once in a while, when you're doing a million different things, and they're really supplementing this running game just so it can be average to a below average. Josh Allen takes one hit. He's banged up. He's not playing right. And ultimately, with this Miami offense, they're just too well coached. Yeah, you know what? I don't think what John's saying is that far-fetched. I, I think it's super realistic. Josh Allen has a, a, lot, a lot of weight on his shoulders. So he's more prone to 
possibly making a mistake than Tua might be. I don't think he's wrong. That has nothing to do with anything. What are we what is talking Tua, about the way here? Tua in Miami? Yes. Bruh, bruh, by far, y'all were saying Josh Allen is the best player in the National Football League. I didn't say by far. Maybe Justin did. Patrick Mahomes is the best player I, in the I National still, Football I, League. I think, I think okay. Josh Allen is, but... Okay, but still, besides the point, semantics. You guys both said Josh Allen's the best player in football. Okay. It was okay. Josh Allen. Don't, don't attack saying... me because I'm here saying that he's not that far-fetched. I didn't completely agree, but I understood where he was coming from. But now you're saying, oh, the best player in football has a little too much on his plate. God forbid. Oh, he's doing everything. What okay, he some weight on his shoulders. All right, that's fine. You're great. If he's great, then he's got to have a full plate because you have to do things more than your other players because you are great. You're the franchise great. guy. We look to you. Great, we let look me ask to you a you. question. Go ahead. Is this a team sport? Yes. Okay. Are there great players though? What wins Super Bowls? Great teams or great players? The players win the well. Players are a part of the team. So what do you mean? Great teams have great players, but you mean indivi- coach- you're talking individual? Do individual players win Super Bowls? Is what I'm asking: Is Aaron Donald win you a Super Bowl, or is the totality of the Los Angeles Rams win you the Super Bowl? Cooper Cup, uh, Matthew Stafford, Aaron Donald off that. If you take Aaron Donald off that, what do you think that they are? Well, yes, you take Michael Strahan off the Giants, you take Tom Brady. That's the point here. That's why football is a team sport. It's all about having those superstars being supported. And with this Bills offense, Gabriel Davis is not having this breakout. Josh Allen's not having the season he's having. Stephon Diggs is not so consistent or as consistent as he always is if he's not playing with Josh Allen. Josh Allen's nicked up. If he takes a certain hit, he has so much to do as a runner of the football because this Bills offense relies too much on him supplementing the running game. In terms of the passing attack, there's so much on his plate to come back in games keep them in games, pass them, and basically while they have the lead, continue to pass themselves through, up and ahead. With Tua Tunga-Vailoa, it's much different because he has a better head coach. He has a better play caller. And I think with what Mike McDaniel has shown this year, up until somebody can figure out this offense, and I'm not sure if anybody can because how much speed and dynamicism it has, that guy is a wizard. And I'm not fan against Mike McDaniel. So are you saying that Josh, Mc- Josh Allen's success was predicated on Brian Dable? No, I'm not saying that, buddy. I'm literally just saying Josh just Allen is way too in, much. Yeah, but you just said he's got incompetent coaching. John, is I Miami, didn't say incom- no, Miami no, stop, 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 stop. I never said incompetent. You're talking pretty badly about Sean McDermott. You're like, no, eh, I, don't I never trust him. I, I didn't say him. Sean McDermott's McCall, name. I, I said Mike McDaniel's a coach that no defense can figure out his offense. No, 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 no. no. You said Mike McDaniel prefer them over already. The- yeah, I prefer well, him because him a Mike McDaniel has been that good this year. I call him a wizard. Yeah, exactly. I think Sean McDermott's a really good head coach, but in the closing moments of games, we've seen the Bills, and you always point this to the quarterback without even acknowledging the head coach or the play caller. Because Josh Allen has to do everything, the Bills' offense isn't as dynamic because it's all predicated on him. And I feel like the coaching has something to do with that where they're a little bit too tense in the closing yeah, minutes of games. Before the season told you guys that was going to be a problem, and you guys both looked at me and said that's a non-issue because Josh Allen's the best player in football. So, wait, time out. So, now you should, do you agree with John? About what? What he's saying about Tua to Josh Allen? Who do you trust more? No. I thought Josh Allen was the best player in football. 
If you're the best player in you football, I, I put word, my man. faith in you more to figure it out on the field. I do. I, it's not like he's bereft of weapons. Does he have Stefan Diggs on the field? But you Dave see Davis on the field? Week as a rusher, a runner of the football as well. You say quarterbacks shouldn't have well, to do that all of the time, right? You should be a pocket yes. passer. You should be like Brady. Yes. He has to do that out of necessity. No, he doesn't, man. No, he, he doesn't. Does. Devin does. Singletary is an average running back. He's fine. If you put Damian Pierce here, or just even like an Isaiah Pacheco, who brings burst, pop, and physicality as a runner, it opens up a lot. Well, how many how many yards did, did Devin Singletary average? last game a lot because when you have josh allen that takes so much pressure off of the running back because you're not facing stacked boxes opposing defenses are going to give you that because they're so far focused on the big play potential so yeah it elevates single i mean what else does it does josh, i mean do you want to give them like everything i mean why not just give them DeAndre hopkins and prime adrian peterson too while you're at it i mean I'm you just, want him to have everything Brandon, you can't you're he's missing he's got a below average one game now you're just got a below average one game and now it's like, oh, it's the end of the world. This guy is that. You're so missing apparently he's point. not that great. Apparently he's not that great. He the can't. Bills, the Bills offense is missing a word, Brandon. You want to know what it's called? Go ahead. Balance. That's what it's called. All right. And that could should, should fall on the quarterback's shoulders too. Because again, no. believe this. How many times throughout the game do we see Josh Allen just take off and run? They're not designed quarterback runs. Majority of those runs are not designed quarterback runs. He's running. He doesn't have to. Why do you think that is? What are defenses playing? What do they know the Bills, Bills are going to do? Throw the football? Often. And so if it's there, Josh Allen's going to take the play if someone's not open, if the throw is not there. And believe me, when he does run, he's saying to himself, hey, sometimes you're going to have to bring me down. As a quarterback, that's not sometimes. It's literally all the time. It is all the time. And I he told you that was a problem a before the season. You both looked at me and said it's a non-factor. Okay. Regardless, that I feel like John's points he hit it he hit it on the head with uh, his take on Josh Allen and the Bills, bro. It's true, he has a lot more on his plate than Tua. And yes, he's I think he's the best quarterback in football. So yes, that should be a non-problem. That's expected. But when we're talking about who do we trust trust more, it's because Tua doesn't have as much to do. We look at teams like uh, okay, the Forty ers Look at all the great things. Name me the top four things about that team. What makes them win? What makes them tick? Okay, You're right. going to say Jimmy G probably fourth. So are you going to choose Jimmy G over Josh Allen too? No, so what I'm saying is now do that same thing with Miami. What's the most important thing on that team? Where do you rank Tua? Not that high. Okay, yeah. so that's my point. On Buffalo, Buffalo, you got to look at who's the number one option there. Stefan Diggs. No, 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 no. The reason they're successful is because of one, Josh Allen. Josh Allen. Leading rusher, leading thrower, leader everything. Okay, but again, so you're trusting Jimmy G over Josh Allen too? No, that is not what I'm saying. No, I'm not. Okay, Who so that's player? where you did. So there's, there's, there's a, at least a I'm line. I'm comparing that scenario. Okay, but I want to understand. There's at least a line then that you will not cross then, right? There is a line, yeah. Okay, well, Jimmy, so I Tua has him. officially passed that line yeah, where he – Josh Allen is the best quarterback in football to you guys. Actually, the I don't know if Justin, you're just gonna say the best player in football. I, I think you would say that. I don't think you'd think there's a defender. He's top two. No one cares about okay, he's this or to that. You he's guys, all right, all right. He's the he's he's the best player in football. I just want to get it out in the open, though. He's top two. The best player in football is Patrick Mahomes. We know that. Justin. Okay, has, Justin so then it's Patrick Mahomes to you guys. But before I'm just going. 
So where does Tua rank on that? Like overall, don't just say this whole season. I want like going into the future. Is Tua now a top ten? He's a top ten quarterback right now. He's an MVP candidate. So you have. No, but that's not what I'm saying. I'm going. I'm. I'm. I'm just saying, like in general, if you were to rank the top ten quarterbacks, you would say top ten quarterback. Top ten quarterback right now. In the current system, top ten. And it's because of the year he's having. He's having a better season than Josh Allen. Now, that doesn't mean he's more important because he's not more important. It's not even close. With that being said, kind of like Jared Goff at his peak, Jared Goff was an awesome quarterback at the highest levels in 2018 where the dude ripped off 4,600 passing yards. I feel like with Tua, it's a little bit similar, but he's an even better quarterback fit in the system that he's in. He's done a great job in Miami, and I think he's a little bit better than a prime Jared Goff. And a prime Jared Goff, a prime Carson Wentz, those guys are upper echelon QBs. Tua has inserted himself deeply into that discussion. As you always say, it's a matter of doing it year in and year out. And so he hasn't done that yet. He hasn't done it like Aaron Rodgers. It takes a matter of time. But based off of the sample that we've seen, he didn't have much to work with in his first two seasons. Now that he has a strong supporting cast mm-hmm. and the right, right system that aligns with his skill set, we've seen him have an amazing season. So are you saying you would trust a prime Jared Goff? over josh allen right now no not quite but i would try to surprise this is where i'm trying i'm just trying to the inconsistencies i'm just trying to figure them out because prime jared goff was awesome he was a very good quarterback see it just it doesn't really because if if two is a cog in the wheel and jot and jared goff's a a cog in the wheel and jimmy garoppolo is a cog in the wheel right and they're not these most important players it's just i don't know how you have more faith and trust in those guys just because and i give you I'm not disagreeing with that Tua doesn't have as much as his plays Josh Allen. I hope you guys understand that. I'm not disagreeing with that point. I'm just saying this guy's the best quarter. All right. To John, he is now the second best quarterback in the NFL. Let me get that correct because he was getting a little angry about that. Justin believes Josh Allen's the best quarterback in football. To me, if that's the case and there is somebody out there that's not even number two, number three, number four, number five, we're talking. Five, six to ten to you guys. Yeah, you have more faith in that guy than the best player. I think that's that's, that's an indictment. I think no. that's an indictment on Josh Allen. I truly believe that. I get where you're coming from, but there's not this massive meteoric gap between number two and number four. Ever comparing Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, and all these other elite quarterbacks? Whoa, to Josh Allen, John, are you saying two is top five now? I'm saying he's top ten right now. Okay, when but I'm now you're know, going two to four. A I did this with the Oh, are you putting two on that same level now? The gap of no. six is not that wide. And it's a matter of the system that you're in. Because Josh Allen is so much on his plate, a quarterback at 10 can climb higher up, and a quarterback at two can dwindle down in terms of who you trust the most. Because the simple fact of in the last waiting moments of games, I think the surrounding elements plus Tua, so Tua as a whole, is going to make less mistakes. He's going to be a little bit more reliable or someone I can trust over Josh Allen, who's doing a lot. Now, now let this. Let me say this. Uh-huh. If there's 25 seconds left and I can have one of those two quarterbacks, I'm taking Josh Allen, yes. So you trust yeah. Josh Allen more. But who do I trust more, generally speaking? It's, it's Tua. Okay. Um, uh, last question. We can move on to pick them. Do you trust Tua Tungvaluwa more or Patrick Mahomes more? Pat Mahomes. Because he's with working with Andy Reid. Come on now. Mahomes. Okay. But I never said I trust two or more. I just said I understand where John's coming from. And I rest my case. Yeah. Good night. Well, Brandon won't want to say. Good morning. Good evening. I'll see you later.
think I messed that line up. Yeah, bad. you did. My bad. Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback I've ever seen at his peak. All oh things gosh. considered. Oh Better God. than Tom Brady. Don't, don't, don't ask him. Don't, 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 Let's not do this. Dustin, do Dustin this. guess no, what? No, because no, here's, the, here's, the, here's, the, here's the... The biggest game of Tom Brady's career he lost to, so... What are you talking about? The biggest game in Tom Undefeated Brady's season. Career? Lost the game. So That's the biggest? Yep. <laughs> you don't even believe that with the way you said yeah. But here's the thing. Here's the, here's the crap take, right? If you would have asked him 10 years ago... Who's the greatest quarterback you've ever seen? You would have said Aaron Rodgers. All right. So here's the inaccuracies. And in, in five years, he'll probably say Josh Allen. In in 10 years, he'll probably say Arch Manning. It's going to continue. But the, but at the end of the day, the GOAT, the greatest of all time, is no, Tom no. Brady. The, yeah, the greatest accolades aside, I'm saying the because best quarterback I've ever seen. The best quarterback I've ever seen is a prime. So Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers, I'm sorry. Aaron Rodgers blows Patrick Mahomes out the door. with. No. I'd put, I'd put in terms prime, of talent. You want to, Justin, no, no, no. Because he wants to talk strictly arm talent. And Peyton's no, not I don't. at that level. You want to talk strictly arm talent. You want to talk arm talent? Aaron Rodgers. No, I'm talking out of structure plays. I'm talking. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is better. Aaron Rodgers is better. He throws a better football. He throws less Turnover-worthy plays. You want to look at the freaking numbers, bro? He makes way more plays out of structure that don't make sense and shouldn't happen. And that includes his legs, well, because too. Because all these guys playing backyard running. football, it's like, oh, my God. Aaron Rodgers plays out of structure, too. Aaron Rodgers was doing things that Patrick Mahomes is doing now before Patrick Mahomes was even in college. And the That's newest correct. iteration is always going to be better than the past model. No, so, it's – I don't believe that. I think Aaron Rodgers was a – I do that's who throws a better true. football? I think Aaron Rodgers throws a much better football than Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, and that doesn't I, and matter. I think that's by, by a wide margin, too. I'd say that. I do, I, dude, matter. you see the things that Aaron Rodgers can freaking do. I know. And, have you seen the turning things. the football over. Have you seen Patrick Mahomes operate in the red zone? I know a lot of it's Andy <laughs> Reid, but so, that's a work of art. It's something I've never seen in my entire life. You're saying, okay, in, the, in their primes, I'm going to give you a bunch of quarterbacks. In their primes, oh, you're taking Patty Mahomes over Aaron Rodgers. Yes. Over Peyton Manning. Yeah, I would. Did you? Are you serious? It's because I know you're going to be like, oh, my God, you may look at the numbers. If we're going to talk the best quarterback we've ever seen, it's not just what you can do in the pocket, but it's the way you operate out of structure, the ability to improvise, extend. And I feel like with this new model of the Chiefs, he's got Travis Kelsey and all these different receiving weapons, we're just seeing Patrick Mahomes annihilate the competition. You can't stop him. You know what's coming. And ultimately, you just got to get ready for the belt, man, because this guy is going to kill you no matter how, how, however it may be. What happened you know, in the Tampa Bay only, Super Bowl? This, what's up? This is, what happened in the Tampa Bay Super Bowl? Didn't have an offensive line at all. They're hit by injury against one of the best defenses. One but I thought he plays out of structure better than anybody, and you better watch out and buckle up. Right? That's him. So if he's got no offensive line and he's the greatest thing since sliced bread out of structure and out of pocket, go win the goddamn game. He could, he put up nine points, bro. Yeah. He had no running game, just like the Bills have no running game right now. And beyond that, an offensive line that was ruined, one of the worst in that specific game relative to the rest of the league in the NFL against a great defense that could stop the run. So again, you're saying that that games are won inside the pocket again. Thank you very much. No, I'm saying great teams win big games. And for Patrick Mahomes, he is the best quarterback I've ever seen at his peak. No, he's not. To To say that over Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, and Aaron Rodgers to me is absurd. 
you're watching history, Justin. Just no, nah, I don't think so, man. I think I've that's just facts. So here's the thing. We've been watching history for the past 20 years, and people still don't want to appreciate it. This they is still want to throw accurate? like this guy right here. No, this is the perfect you love accolade. Right I put that he to the side. Appreciate some, the real we have greater. seen something we probably will never see in sports history ever again, or maybe not even our in our lifetime. And it's people like you that piss me off about this. We just went 20 plus years, and we're still in it. We're still in it. <laughs> yeah, the worst division I've ever seen. What does that have to do with anything? The AMC West is killing it right now, John. Really? Well, they were it? supposed to be great. You had the Chargers going to the yeah, Super Bowl. supposed to. Supposed to. So, yeah, shoulda, coulda, woulda. Let's move on to pick them. Patrick Mahomes is great. And I also want to give a special no, shout out to the running back. He's not great. Come on. That's, That's crazy. The Chiefs have a special running back from Jersey I'm a big fan of. And I'm, I'm going to Let's get on to pick that Thursday night football, John. Thursday night football. Let's go. Thursday night football. The Buffalo Bills. At New England, Patriot fans over here, I'm sure they're going to have, uh, you know, one's going to have Sean Payton, the other's going to have a different one. So for me, relatively straightforward, three and a half point Buffalo favorites on Amazon Prime Video. I'm rolling with Buffalo in this game, but, but with the way Mac Jones looked last week in the pocket, he was an absolute surgeon. I loved what he was doing, the throws down the field, the consistency, the accuracy, and really feels like he's starting to just get the grip of this offense. And with that performance, three, 300 plus passing yards, I feel like the best of Mac Jones is about to come. Mm, this is a tough one because I, I, I want to, I've said before, I don't know how New England can split with Buffalo. But after what I saw from the Patriots on Thanksgiving, uh, they've had a longer time to, to study this Buffalo, B- Buffalo team. I'm going to do it. Brandon, I'm going with New England. I'm taking the Patriots this Thursday. I think they've had enough time to study this squad. Uh, there's no better defense that's going to cause you to turn to throw you into turnovers than than the Patriots to me. I think they're the smartest defense in football. I said I use that word specifically, smartest. So uh, yeah, I think they seize the opportunity. I think it'll be a close game. Mac has to play perfect, and uh, I think they do just enough to win this game at home. Yeah, I think after an abysmal performance uh, by the defense and special teams last week, now they got a full week to get prepared. Uh, so do the Bills. Um, but I think after the way that the the Patriots played last week, I think that they're looking to get up for this game. It's in New England. Uh, and if you're going to tell me, if you told me that um, Zach Wilson, New York Jets, beat this Buffalo Bills team and we you know, beat them twice. I firmly believe the Patriots can beat the Buffalo Bills. Uh, now, listen, easily, I could easily see Buffalo winning this game. I just believe that we're going to split. Uh, obviously, it's more likely that New England's going to get the win at home and Buffalo's going to get the win in their house. Uh, but it could flip-flop. It could. But right now, I'm going to take New England to uh, pull off the game. I, I, I just – Buffalo has not been and, – and that's what I'm saying. Buffalo has not been playing well the past – I don't know, four or five weeks maybe. And specifically, Josh Allen has not played well. There was a side-by-side comparison that I saw. Uh, Nick Reich Reich. Reich pulled it up on uh, First Things First. John, your boy, Davis Mills or Davis Mills? Josh Allen and Davis Mills have the same, basically the same exact numbers over the past, I think, three or four weeks. Same exact numbers. And actually, Davis Mills real teams. Yeah, well, if you're great, you gotta, uh, you should be playing better. Uh, Davis Mills actually has a better completion percentage than Josh Allen. 
So, you know. Okay. He needs to step up his game is what I'm saying. He's Andrew, playing like crap. It's okay. He's playing like crap. He hasn't been playing his best. Yeah, he's Rough been playing. Also had a killer game-winning drive in last week's game versus the Lions, and that's a good football team right now. One of the worst. No Damian Harris and Isaiah win for this game. Harris is out with a thigh injury. Next game up, the Pittsburgh Steelers move into Atlanta, where they're a one-point favorite. Much like Mac Jones, Kenny Pickett right now is playing his best football so far this season. And I feel like in spite of Matt Canada probably being the worst OC in football, this Steelers offense is finding its rhythm with Pickett to Pickens. That's the real connection from this year's draft class. And the Falcons, Kyle Pitts going on season 99R. They're a team that knows exactly who they are. They're going to run the snout out of the football on the si- inside with one of the best interior offensive lines. Shout out to Chris Lindstrom. I feel like for the Falcons, this is the game they can easily win. And I don't have a good read on this game as a Steeler fan. I really don't. TJ Watt last week wasn't 100%. But I do feel like this Steeler team will win. And do they cover? Yeah, a one-point spread. They will. I'm going to roll with Pittsburgh as well. I think Pickett picks them apart. I think the Falcons simply just can't win those close games, man. I've seen so many games this season where they're right there and they just can't get the job done. They almost won last week, and I see the same thing happening this week. I see a close one, and Pittsburgh defense just gets to Mariota. I'm rolling with Pittsburgh. This is a clean sweep. I'm rolling with Pittsburgh, too. Um, and, John, I would just like to say, uh, stop saying Matt Cannon is the worst OC in football. He could be number two. No, the worst he's worst. That was Matt Patricia. Okay. No, but here's the difference. Steelers actually have talent on their offense. So uh, it's yeah, disappointing. So With the know. Patriots, so do we. they lack big-time playmaking. stop saying Ramondre Stevenson? Ramondre oh. Stevenson is better than Najee Harris. Yeah, and Najee's also okay. questionable with this game. It's a thing to monitor. Jacoby Myers is pretty solid. He might not be better than your best. explosiveness in the Steelers' offense all around at each position group. The Patriots don't have as much. That's a, a slight jab at you. Maybe that, maybe that's true, but also we haven't Brandon. seen it because Matt Patricia is that freaking bad. But here's the thing. The last two weeks, Brandon, opposing defenders are literally calling out the Steelers for running the same exact place. They were doing the same thing against New England. The Colts put Shaq Leonard literally said it. And in, in the press conference, he said we, we knew exactly what was happening. No, when they put when we played the Colts, he was playing. They knew exactly what we were running. But now the Patriots... same boat. We're the same boat. We are unfortunately in the same exact boat. An important thing to monitor this game is Najee Harris's health because he has that oblique injury, and his backup and Jalen Warren missed last week with a hamstring injury. So for the Steelers, can Benny Snell step in the way to last week? If those two guys are out, we will see. Next game up, Jaguars at Lions. Dude, these are two football teams that next year have a super optimistic outlook. Remember, the Lions kind of have a top five pick coming from the Rams, which is kind of nice, and also their own draft pick, which is going to be much better. I feel like this Lions team is finally churning it together defensively. They've gotten better and better after starting the year. It's literally one of the two worst units on that side of the ball. And offensively, Amon Ross St. Brown, off the ankle injury, off the concussion, is back to his rigid... Uh, he's, a, he's a beast. He's literally becoming a top 20 receiver in the NFL before our very own eyes. Jamal Williams, fellas, in the red zone, he's going to steal those carries from DeAndre Swift. You know what? I've got the Lions taking this game, moving to 5-7, and seven, and they'll cover that one-point spread at home. A little bit surprised the Jaguars are favorites. I'm going to roll with Jacksonville. That was a big, big win against Baltimore last week. I think Trevor Lawrence is just even finding his stride now. He's had a solid season up to now, but I think it's going to take another step forward for this final stretch of the season. I think Jacksonville wins. Yeah, I'm rolling with Jacksonville. I think they've uh, got a better complete team. Like their defense more than um Detroit's defense, so I'm gonna say I'm gonna roll with Jacksonville. 
What if Travis Etienne does not play as he is limited with a foot injury? You're saying what if he doesn't? Yeah, because he may not play. Michael Hasty did just fine. I think I think they can still passing game. In the passing game, yes. He made a big touchdown grab. He did, but in the running game, I think he averaged like two yards a carry. The choice defense is just abysmal, though. 12 for 20. Whoa, no. I wouldn't call it abysmal. They're figuring things out. It's been pretty it's been pretty respectable last last month. They're still like bottom five though. Because of how terrible they were to start the season, but it's been a lot better as of late. They found their identity, and I think that's the team you can't overlook. They're a good football team. Next game up, the Jets moving to Minnesota. Vikings last week, a huge win against your Patriots. This is a tough game to read. Can Mike White build off last week's strong performance? Can the Vikings build off last week's performance themselves? I've got the Vikings winning this game. Do you know the spread on this one? It is three-point favorites in the Vikings' favor. Oh, I think that, that'll be my lock of the week. I'll take Minnesota. Yeah, I'm going with Minnesota, too. Uh, it's in Minnesota, uh, yeah, I think the Vikings are playing uh, pretty well uh, after their abysmal loss to Dallas, so... I'm going to take uh, Minnesota Vikings in this one. Important things to monitor for this week. Christian Derrissaw missed last week with a concussion. He should be back. Harrison Smith also was a limited participant in practice. Those are two key players for them. Next game up, fellas. Interesting. Oh, interesting matchup, though. Sauce Gardner versus Justin Jefferson. Oh, Absolutely. Fun. I think Sauce is emerging in the top five corner in the league if he hasn't already established himself as such. I, I think after this week, I think the Jets are still going to have some QB concerns. I think uh, Mike White struggles, and everybody's going to be like, oh, what happened to our savior? I don't think this is the week he gets exposed. I think it'll be in a couple of weeks. I mean, Minnesota's got a pretty crap defense, so. It's not crap. It's, it's a decent defense that has weaknesses to be had. Well, you told me it was crap. It, in bad moments, it can play pretty poorly. Next Next game up, Commanders, 7-5, winners, 6-11-7. Big game. Playoff prediction at the New York Football Giants. The Giants, guys, are a 7-4 football team, and this is the exact example of a squad that's well-coached, but is so limited and so hampered by injury. Dude, I'm going to say it. The Commanders are winning this game against the Giants. They're going to be winners, 7 of the last 8. They're going to go with the postseason. And this right here is probably the biggest sleeper in the NFC win a playoff game this season. Taylor Heineke, he'll make good plays, he'll make bad decisions. And the crux of it, what does this commander's defense do very well? They bludgeon the run. What have the Giants struggled with recently? Even with Saquon Barkley being Saquon Barkley, running the football. There's not enough big-time playmaking and too much on Saquon's shoulders. Where if this commander's offense, getting things going with Brian Robinson... Dude, that running back committee, it's working for the Commanders. Offensively, they have Terry McLaurin. It's a better all-around football team. And for the Giants, I think they're about to start dropping a lot of these games. And look, the Commanders are taking this one as two-and-a-half-point favorites on the road at MetLife Stadium, 1 o'clock. Honestly, I'm rolling with the G-Men. I, I think these two teams are going to split the season series, so I'm going to say both teams win at home. I think this is going to be a Richie James coming out party. I know the Giants are depleted of talent, but somebody's got to step up to the plate. And I think uh, Daniel J Jones finds some comfort throwing him the football. So I think uh, they'll find some success. It'll be a close one, but the Giants come out on top. Uh, I agree with Justin. Uh, I think this teams are going to split. And I'm going to take the Giants this week. Then the Commanders go into their bye week. And I think that the Commanders uh, uh, beat the Giants in Washington uh, after their bye week. And 
another thing to monitor is I don't know if Chase Young's going to play this game. Uh, I'd probably hold him off this game, go into the bye week, and then play him when you uh, come home to Washington. Uh, but, yeah, I think this these two teams split. We've been talking about this Chase Young return now for a good month. And uh, at this point, the Redskins are winning games without him. The Commanders are winning games without him. Oh, oh you did a no-no. You did a no-no. <laughs> um, I'm not really expecting much, from, if anything, from Chase Young this year. Coming off the AC author, a disappointing second season. And either way, the Commanders are making the playoffs. Next game up, Tennessee at Philadelphia. The game I completely forgot to mention when we started this podcast, like it wasn't happening this week, and it is. Dude, this is, this is an awesome football match. The Titans are going to go to Philly. They're going to have to play A.J. Brown, who this season has had a very strong, I guess, first year with the, with the Eagles. And this is just a, another very strong test for an Eagles team that showed a lot of good things last week offensively, but they did make mistakes in the secondary. And Green Bay's offense was very productive. This is a game where I feel like Traylon Burks could have a big-time performance. Physically, he is a big-time playmaker. And with what the Eagles are going to have to prioritize in the box against Derrick Henry, that opens up a lot for not only Traylon Burks, but the rookie tight end and Chickaconkwu, who I'm a big, big fan of. He makes big plays every single week, nearly. I think those two guys, one of them in the red zone this week, the Eagles will cover, I think, at plus or minus five. But this should be one of the better games of the week. I'm going to roll with Philly. I think... Uh... Tennessee last week, I've been picking against Tennessee for a long time now. And the fi finally, I picked them last week and they let me down. So I'm not rolling with them again. I'm going to go with Philadelphia. I think Philadelphia is just too good. And man, what a week they had last week. I think they continue to build on that. I am going with the Tennessee Titans. Uh, I think the Tennessee Titans, Ooh. like you said, Remember the they play they stay they play a style of football that can travel on the road because they're going to be in Philadelphia. They play good defense, and they can run the football. Philly's weak spot was stopping the run. They did sign Sue and Limbaugh Joseph. Well, this is going to be their truest test because you're going to get up against King Henry. So this is going to be an interesting matchup. Uh, I'm going to roll with the Tennessee Titans. Philly's going to have to throw the ball. Sure, and. This Titans defense in the secondary has some, you know, some questions could have unproven talent. And in terms of big notices to this game, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson did not participate in practice with Kenny yesterday. Ben Jones also was, he was full participant, but he's coming off the concussion. And last but not least, Jeffrey Simmons with an ankle did not practice this week. Should be interesting to see if any of those players missed the game, particularly Simmons and CGJ, Chauncey Gardner. Next game up, the Broncos against the Ravens. The Ravens, eight-point favorites. I don't know if we've really talked about this enough, but last week for the Broncos was just another embarrassing display. Russell Wilson getting chewed out by a defensive tackle. Meanwhile, Nathaniel Hackett is right in front of them, just pretend like it's not happening behind him, his quarterback getting ripped into. The Broncos are a dumpster fire. Maybe the only thing that could see in them is trading for Aaron Rodgers at this point. And the Ravens should win this week, coming off of a, uh, another blown fourth quarter lead last week with the Jaguars. So you said eight and a half point favorites? Eight point favorite. Okay, I think uh, I think the Broncos can cover that, but I'll take Baltimore in a win. I think that what an ugly game. They were up nineteen to ten on the on the Jags. They should have closed that game out. Too many games that they've let go. Uh, fortunately, they get a, a bye week in Denver, but I got Baltimore. I got Baltimore as well. Um, 
Broncos have just been terrible. terrible. Um, and I mean, yeah, they've just been terrible. I don't really care. Baltimore Ravens better win this game. They really better win this game. Two things. This should be a low-scoring affair because generally what Bronker bonker games are. Number two, is it time you start to look at John Harbaugh as an overrated head coach who just, I feel like, hasn't maximized Lamar Jackson or no. the talent he's had on this roster? No. Have, have they tried to maximize Lamar Jackson's talent? No. They're giving him more talent? So, I mean, I I wouldn't put that on Harbaugh. i put that on the GM. I'm not I'm not blaming John. Uh, John, right? It's John Harbaugh, right? John, yeah. I always get them mixed up. Uh, no, I'm not blaming John Harbaugh. John Harbaugh is the top five head coach in this league, in my opinion. So, no, I'm not blaming John Harbaugh. Can the GM his job of, uh, well, sustainability, consistency, Super Bowl champion, validated? Um, yeah, I, I, I think um, I think the GM could do a better job of surrounding uh, Lamar with the talent necessary. But, again, We've talked about this multiple times, beating it like a dead jump. Not many top-end wide receivers want to come to Baltimore and play in that style of football. So it's really not much that they can do. When you call up somebody's phone and they're like, no, nah, I'm not, I'm not going to run my ass off to run a route and then turn around and Lamar Jackson's, you know, running up the field about like 15 times a game. Nah, that's, that's not happening, bro. So wouldn't that be on their offensive coordinator, Greg Roman, and not the GM, Eric DaCosta, if Harbaugh is the one? No, Greg Roman has done it. Come on, man. He has maximized Lamar Jackson's yeah, ability. Yeah, but he hasn't to... opened up the offense. And the issue here is it hasn't been opened up for a receiver. To, to open up? What? They had a 1,000-yard receiver last year in Hollywood Brown. They traded him. And what yeah, because he do? won't be there no more. But, but what did they do to fill that spot? Draft the tight ends? They did nothing. Nothing at all. So that that's on that's not on Lamar, that's not on Harbaugh, that's on everybody else but them. Yeah, and also also listen man. Mark Andrews isn't Travis Kelsey, but he ain't no slouch. Mm-hmm. And we're not talking about Patrick Mahomes like, you know, being bereft of weapons. He's got Travis Kelsey. Lamar, you got Mark Andrews. That should be fine. Okay? We've seen a lot where these quarterbacks have one of the top 5 tight ends in the league and the receivers are kind of twos and threes. You should be able to perform at a better level. Okay, but he doesn't have twos and threes because Rashad Bateman isn't even out Yes, okay, now he doesn't. Bateman is out. Yes, I agree with you there. Devin DuVernay was playing very well to start the season, and that has tailed off. But, yeah, I agree with you. They do have – they're they're great at drafting tight ends. Let's just put it that. I mean, they are great at drafting tight ends. That is certainly one of their specialties. Next game up, the Browns at the Texans. Seven-point favorites in Cleveland's favor. We talked about this game before. I had the Browns winning. But, hey, maybe Kyle Allen could play a little spoiler. Fellas, what do you think? What do you mean? You say you have the – oh, you have the Browns. I just got it confused. I forgot Deshaun Watson. <laughs> you said you have the Browns winning. Okay, go ahead. Never mind, Justin. Go ahead, Justin. Yeah, no, I'm rolling with Cleveland. I said it earlier. Uh, I'll even take their uh, spread line. What was that, Seven and a half, seven-point favorites? Seven-point. Yep, I'll take it. Yep. Uh, before the season, we talked about this game, and I believed that Deshaun Watson was going to have a big game this week, and then I think the rust would start to show a little bit more throughout the other weeks. So I'm going to stick with that. I think Deshaun has a big comeback game. Uh, I think you still see some rust. He misses a couple throws and stuff like that. But uh, I think after that, he's going to kind of revert back to, like, you know, a little bit more rusty. I just think this is a very personal game, and I think that he's going to, you know, ball out and they're going to win this game so i'll take cleveland browns sure and the most concerning thing for houston this rushing attack that was late to start the year 
has really been decimated. I mean, Damian Pierce was my offensive rookie of the year. Last two weeks, he has had eight rushing yards on five carries and eight rushing yards on 10 carries. I'm going to throw up. Next game up, Seahawks at Rams. Another game I want to throw up watching. The Seahawks are 7.5-point favorites. They've had a rough couple of weeks, but I feel the Seattle team is a true playoff squad. And I do have them getting on back, playing their seventh game of the season and covering versus whatever is left of the uh, Divinity Champions. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you, John. I, I don't know what's left of this Rams team, so I think Seattle seizes the opportunity and they take the win here. Yeah, Seattle's going to win this game. It's just not Ugly. the Rams season. Not the Rams season. It does not seem like it. Everyone's hurt. Uh, literally everybody. Aaron Donald seems to be getting shut down for the season. I don't blame Sean McVay. <laughs> Last week he got bopped in the chin by one of the uh, outside linebackers making his uh, NFL debut. I think that was another rough moment for them. And listen to this. Donald's going to miss the first game. Miss first. Oh, my God. No way this is true. Aaron Donald has never missed a game in his career due to injury. This is the first one he's going to miss. Let me double check this on football reference because I never realized that. Yeah, Aaron Donald has never missed a game outside of two in 2017, which Uh was not due to injury. It must have been some personal matter. This is the first time he will. So that's pretty crazy. That's that's news for the Rams. Uh, Next game up, I'm done talking about them. There's nothing else to talk about. Dolphins at Niners. I have the Niners covering, winning with their as a four point favorites. This will be probably the most fun game of the week. So I'm rolling with 49ers. Possible Super Bowl matchup, like I said. Yep. So I said the Dolphins will finish four and four to end the season. Uh, I was right about Cleveland and Texans, them winning both those games. And I'm picking the San Francisco 49ers to win this game. This is where they start, where I believe they're going to lose three straight games. I think they're going to lose to the Chargers, and I think they're going to lose to the Bills after this. J-Ray, you said that's the matchup of the week, and I can see that it's a great matchup. But, dude, this week, the two best quarterbacks in the NFL currently, arguably, I don't know if Joe Burr is that good, but right now he's playing like a top-three quarterback, are facing off in Kansas City at Cincinnati. This is a rematch of last year's ASC Championship game. And the reason I talk about Burrow so highly, Jamar Chase was injured. This week, on track to return from that hip injury. Remember, the Bengals did not put him on IR for that reason, so he could return for a game like this. These are two elite offenses, and most of all, probably two of the most fun offenses, with Jamar Chase being back in the mix this should be a very good game, one to watch out for. It has huge implications if the Chiefs lose on the first uh, seed in the AFC. But I'm going to go with the Chiefs. I can't go up against them. Two-point favorites on the road. I trust Andy Reid a lot, and I think they get the revenge after last year's AFC Championship game. I am rolling with Houday Nation, and I'm picking the Bengals. I think the Bengals win at home. I think, like you said, Joe Burrow's playing at a great level with Jamar Chase coming back. Or I'm hoping to see him at full strength because if he is at full strength, I'm expecting some big numbers. Shouts out to T. Higgins, though, because he's been carrying a lot of weight. But, yeah, I'm rolling with the Bengals. Yeah, uh, if you look at the Cincinnati Bengals' rest of the end of the schedule, it is a cakewalk. All right, they play the Broncos next week in Denver. Then they go to Houston to face the Texans. Then they come home and play the Seahawks. Then they stay home, play the Broncos, and then the season in Vegas against the Raiders. That's a cakewalk, in my opinion. Um, 
So I'm going to take the Cincinnati Bengals to win this week. Uh, I think probably this is going to be the Chiefs' last loss of the season. So I think that they're going to finish the season 14-3. and three. Uh, So, yeah, I'm taking the Cincinnati Bengals to win this game. They might run into each other in the playoffs. Very yeah. well could. The game that we talked about before this episode was the Chargers going to Vegas for Josh Jacobs last week, 300 yards, game-winning touchdown in overtime, carrying this Vegas offense that has really been held back by Derek Carr this year, a player that some people have in their top 10 quarterback rankings. Totally not uh, some people okay, know. And uh, I was partially one of them, so partially taking a shot at myself. Justin Herbert is that dude. Uh, according to some people, I don't know if you guys have seen the stupid stuff Amin Alaka has been saying. He's been getting a lot of attention on Twitter. Have you, have you seen? Uh, he's a social media quarterback, stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, I've seen. What'd that. you call him, John? Amin Alaka? His name? Acho? I think it's Acho. Uh, okay, well, he's Acho. calling Justin <laughs> Herbert a social media quarterback. I'm sorry, Amin Alaka. Um, <laughs> Justin Herbert's, uh, I saw, who, who was it? It was, uh, Marcus Whitman. He goes on, uh, that franchise guy. If Justin Herbert's a social media quarterback, you're a social media analyst, dude, in, in the comments. I was like, yeah, that's, that's, that's very true. Uh, cause I'm not listening to me Locko. Uh, but for me, this is a total toss up here. Raiders playing some of their best football and they are better than a four and seven squad. The Chargers, though, have a top-five quarterback. And how far can Justin Herbert carry them is the real question here. You know what, man? I'm just throwing my hands up in the air, and I'm just taking Herbert, the social media quarterback. Last week was uh, the Josh Jacobs show. I think this week is uh, D.C. and Devontae Adams going crazy. I'm going to roll with the Raiders. Am I crazy this week, guys? Am I crazy now? I might start calling you a social media analyst if you keep this up, Justin. You know what's hilarious, though? John was literally saying a couple days ago that this was easily for the Raiders, and now he's saying he's picking the Chargers because of what I said about Justin Herbert having more faith in him. Yeah. But I was being a little brutal. What are you talking about, dude? I've been watching some tape, my friend. <laughs> I can change my opinion after watching this Derek It's so Carr easy anymore. for the Raiders. They win games. The jabroni. A man can change his opinion, my man. Yeah, you can change your opinion. A little flip-floppy, though. A little flip-floppy. Um, I'm taking the Los Angeles Chargers. Um, I don't have belief. Um, I, I mean, I shouldn't say. I have more faith in Justin Herbert. And I think, like I said on Monday, or um, or recorded on Monday night, uh, I, I believe the Chargers have a slightly better defense. And that's not saying much, but I think they do. And I actually looked at the numbers, and the Chargers do have just a literally slightly better defense, like literally like one up on the Raiders. Yeah, I, I could see that. Um, probably the most puzzling move of last week was Jeff Saturday losing to the Steelers uh, with two timeouts in his pocket as uh, – <laughs> okay. um, you know, he, he won his first game against the Raiders, and I was like, whoa, okay, this guy, he, he clearly is galvanizing this locker room, but – in terms of clock management, he's uh, he's firmly up there so far. With he made a rookie mistake, John. Jesus he Christ! He like, like, I've you got, you got I've people never seen in your that. ear too, so somebody had to be saying something. Yeah, and and he said afterwards that he regretted not taking a timeout. So at least he. I love Saturday. I do like I like his energy and all that. And yeah, I, I'm not an NFL coach, but you know that's something that stands out to you when you basically chew 25, 30 seconds off the clock just yeah, to Todd run Bowles the did the same thing though too, right? Yeah, but Matt Ryan, this offense is actually being held. Well, actually, the Buccaneers' offense is being held back too by the uh, play calling. So the Colts are moving to Dallas, where they're an 11-point underdog, 
the Cowboys playing some of the rest of football. I think this is another game they just breeze through with a strong running game. And most of all, defensively, they get to Matt Ryan. And this could be a pretty big blowout. Yeah, I'm with you. I think Dallas runs away with this one pretty smoothly. I, I don't think Indy has the firepower to keep up. I would be weary of that because of have you seen I'm them? gonna pick Dallas. I'm gonna pick Dallas. I just don't know if they're gonna blow them out like you guys are talking about because, like I always say, the Colts have a style of football that travels. They run the football, okay, and they play good defense. And Dal- Dallas Cowboys kryptonite is stopping the run. Ding ding ding! ding. Circle yeah. gets the square. Johnny, tell him what he's won. They, they they struggle stopping the run. So if Jonathan Taylor goes off, the clock they they could time manage and have the uh, time of possession in their favor. But I'm going to pick Dallas to win this game. I just don't know if it's going to be a blowout like you guys would say. Talking about great coaching, the Saints are moving to Tampa Bay this week, where coach of the season. This was supposed to be a high profile Monday 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 matchup, and uh, it's going to be one of the most boring games I'm probably going to sleep through. Um. Buccaneers, three-and-a-half-point favorites. Whoever we'll wins this game, I... John. What's up? Oh, we'll that's a good point. We will be recording. <laughs> I I think whoever wins this matchup is going to have a very real case of winning the division. The Buccaneers can move to 6-6. Six and six. And the Saints, they're 4-8. and eight. They could literally win four of their next five games, go 8-9, and nine, and potentially win the division. That's how bad it has been. Uh, a tough season for the Buccaneers, where a lot has went wrong, and maybe worst of all, they lost their young star right tackle. I've got the Buccaneers winning this game, but the Saints are still in the mix just because of how abysmal this division is. I don't know what's going on. I'm just I'm just waiting for that Bucks offense to explode. I'm waiting for 300-yard Tom Brady, three-touchdown Tom Brady, and Mike Evans to go crazy. But this Bucks offense and this, this Bucks team just looks like a shell of what they have been the last two seasons. Um, but because the Saints, I feel like, are a terrible team, I'm going to roll with the Buccaneers. Yeah, I'm rolling with uh, the Tampa Bay Bucks. Uh, I think Leonard Fournette possibly will be back this game. Um, I'm I'm pretty sure Logan Ryan uh, is going to be back for this game. He's coming back off of IR. Uh, Russell Gage might play, but I'm going to take the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I'm going to put my faith in Tom. It's in Tampa. Figure out this game. The New Orleans Saints, while the Bucks offense has not played well, neither has the Saints offense. They are have really? they have been terrible. Alvin Kamara has been. And he's on my fantasy football team, so I know he has been relegated to d- dog crap, okay? Absolute dog crap. Uh, so, yeah, the, the I, I got to go with Tampa Bay. And really with the Buccaneers, the 300-yard Tom Brady, we're not going to see that this year. And for the Bucs, we've talked about them a lot. Let me charge my uh, thing real quick. The three issues in Tampa, the defense has taken a pretty noticeable step back, and losing Shaq Barrett did not help on IR and so you don't have that X factor that is going to win you games the way it did in that Chiefs Super Bowl the coaching has taken a step back both in the play calling and general head coach department and the third element of their struggles is they don't have that offensive burst that explosion that explodes from this we only see that when Julio is healthy and playing at that high level and you just can't lean on that given his age and durability concerns Uh, and that's why the Buccaneers are probably going to they, they have a real case of missing the playoffs for as much as we say they're going to win out and go 9-8 and everything's going to be just fine. Did we, uh, maybe my memory slips me, did we pick the Green Bay-Chicago game? Oh, uh, no. Did we skip over that? 
Yeah, I might I have skipped over that completely. So that's the last game. If my phone didn't freeze, would, would you like to take it? I can't even look. Yeah, uh, I don't have the spread in front of me. Brandon, do you? I got it. Uh, so Chicago, Green Bay is favored by four and a half. It's in Chicago. Aaron Rodgers said he is uh, um, all signs point to him playing this week. Uh, I pray for him. I really hope he does not get hurt. Uh, I'm going to take the Green Bay Packers. Uh, I just think that these both teams are not that good, uh, and I'm just going to put my faith in Aaron Rodgers to win this game. Is Justin Fields playing? That's the question. Let me check. Let me check. I know he was questionable. To talk about this game, the Bears' defense is maybe the worst in football right now. They're trading Robert Quinn and Roquan Davis. Look, the Packers, they're playing good football. It's just too late. The simple so, as that. Too late so in the season. Coach, uh, Coach Eberfluss, or Eberfluss, whatever you want to say, uh, said Wednesday, which was yesterday, that Fields' shoulder, uh, he will practice in limited uh, capacity, and that his status for Sunday's game against the Packers remains unclear. So we're probably going to find out maybe tomorrow or possibly game time. All right. So I, I guess uh, this is two picks because if Justin Fields plays, I'm taking Chicago. After seeing how the Eagles ran over this Green Bay defense, I could only imagine what Justin Fields can do too. Um, no Darnell Mooney, so it, it'll be a tough one for them. But if Fields is on the field, I'll give them the edge. If he's not, I'm rolling with 12 in the Packers. It ultimately doesn't matter to me. I think the Bears are one of the three worst teams in football. Darnell Mooney, like you alluded to, is out for the rest of the season after being placed on injured reserve with a left ankle injury. Def Chase Claypool can't stand on his feet, and like this is the worst defense in football. So whether it's Aaron Rodgers, True Love, or I don't know, Tim Boyle doesn't matter. I think he might be on the Lions, Tim Boyle. They're probably going to put up 30 points this week, the Packers. And like their defense has been really poorly coached and poorly designed this year by Joe Barry, who just, like on third downs especially, soft coverages with an elite secondary. He's not very creative with getting numbers advantages. I, I think the Bears' offense isn't good enough. So, uh, actually, a fun, fun storyline. Luke Getzey, the Bears' offensive coordinator, is the former quarterback. Not the former quarterback, former offensive assistant in Green Bay. So, this is a return matchup for him. I got the Packers winning this one, and uh, I honestly think they, they easily clean whatever the, the point spread here is. What is it? Four and a half, I think. Four and a half, yeah. That's, for me, I think they won by a touchdown, at least. So, what are your locks of the week, guys? Packers beating the Bears at minus four and a half. Even if, even if Aaron Rodgers doesn't play, this Bears team without as Justin Fields plays, maybe maybe the Bears can put some points up. But this Bears offense is so bad. Uh, my Bears lock defense. of the week. My lock of the week is going to be. I got two uh, that I'm confident in: Cleveland taking out Houston, and San Francisco beating Miami. Those two, I'm very confident in. My lock was Minnesota minus three. So those are our locks of the week. I have this. I have take two. So our lock, our locks of the weeks, our locks of the week. I John had this. I have the Packers covering minus four and a half. Brandon has the Browns covering minus seven over no, the. No, 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 just money line, just, just money line, just, just money straight line, up, straight up. Brandon has the Browns covering the. Brandon has the Browns beating the Texans money line, as well as. 49ers taking the Dolphins at home. And Justin, your pick is? The Minnesota Vikings minus three against the Jets. 
But there you go. Those are our locks of the week. It took me a while right there. And with all that being said, that'll wrap up episode number 55 of the Wise Guys Podcast. I'm John Twitterelli. This is Brandon Capazzello and Justin Ray. And as always, till next time. Stay classy.